Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Just Bleed Radio. Your regular host, Danger Mouse, is back. That's me. And I'm very smug, but we can talk about that a little later. We'll be covering last night's action at UFC 298 in Anaheim. And by we, I of course mean myself and my regular co-hosts, Austin and Lazybed. I think we'll have a lot to talk about today, so let's not mess about. We can get straight into the main event of the card, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Ilya Tapuria, and I'll throw it straight over to our sole disbeliever in Ilya that's on the show, our very own Lazy Bed, who attempted to book the odds by picking Volk. So take it away, Lazy. What you got to say on this fight? Oh, man, I didn't know I was going first. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. Well, about the fight, hell of a fight, hell of a fucking fight. Um, I really, my, my, my mind's all over the place on this one. I thought Folk was going to be the guy. I thought he was going to be the dude to buck the trend. I thought he would break the curse, the dreaded 35 and over curse. Unfortunately, Taporia thought otherwise. The Matador came in and uh, took the bull by the horns. And unfortunately for me, many others, and especially Larry, Volk bit the dust last night, guys. Volk bit the dust. The old man hit the canvas once again. And uh, deep in my heart, you know, uh, I feel for the guy. But at the same time, he knew this was a risk that he was taking over the last few months, making the decisions that he was making. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not like he rushed into this one. He did have a decent training camp and everything. It's still a short time period between when he got knocked out and when he was, you know, fighting. It's not yeah. It's not the longest time period for sure, or shortest, but it's, it's, it's still a short stint for a champion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Was that it, Lazy? Is this just disappointment? He's I'm staring at the fucking floor and I'm just shaking my head. So it's just so you have a visual of what's happening. The wheels are turning, but nothing's coming out. Yeah, I'm sorry. I did surprise you a bit there, didn't I, Lazy? Yeah, you did. You did. I didn't know that was coming. And I don't have any notes prepared. So I wanted to do this, you know, in the moment. And uh, maybe that wasn't the smartest thing because I was three sheets to the wind last night. So... It's a, it's raw emotion. It's raw emotion. That's fair. That's, that's no. That's... I got I got a whole other topic as we were discussing off air that I'd like to get into on this, mm-hmm. as the how this affects my guy Max and, and what this uh, scenario and how these cards have fallen, uh, how this affects him. But we'll we'll save that for a little bit later. Uh, I thought it was. It's quite a very decent performance by Volk for the amount of time it lasted. He came in with that very kick-heavy style in the first round. Uh, I don't know who you thought won the first round. Uh, I thought it was pretty close. Ilya was landing some very heavy leg kicks uh, of his own. Uh, and then, of course, we had the second round where Ilya just came out and uh, I wouldn't say he exactly took control, but it was Volk had dropped that kicking game, hadn't he, by the second uh, round and was seen to be relying a bit more on his own boxing. And then uh, Ilya obviously got in close and landed that. I think it's pretty much the same combination he's landed against uh, Jai Herbert and uh, his first fight, um, Jackson, Damon Jackson. 
think he finished them both with virtually identical sequences. You know, uh, a, a kind of a left, a, a left to the head, a left to the body, and then that right hand just comes over the top, and that's it. It's sweet dreams time, uh, and off to the off yep. to the re, uh, nursing home with Volk for the evening. <laughs> Uh, oh, don't do him like that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm smug because I was one of the few people who picked Ilya on this thing. I know you did as well, Austin. But yeah, I just, I, what, what do you want me to say? Like, I wasn't cheering against Volk. I was just more like I know the circumstances leading to this fight. Yeah, and I think that was the main thing. It's like. You know how you, you play, your your heart wants this, but your mind is saying the other, right? Yeah. That was literally what I was displaying, like, watching it. Like, I had I had zero um, expectations for the fight, and I was literally just like, I was, it looked, it, did it not seem that Volk had just kind of accepted, not so much that this was going to be a tough fight, but the fact that he knew how dangerous Teporia was, right? Definitely. But he was ready. It, mm-hmm. it wasn't like he hadn't prepared for Ilya. It was more like Ilya wasn't going to be denied. Yeah. And um, the sad part about it was that, it, to me, it, it's not so much a, a statement of the 35-year-old and the stat stays true. It's... Let's let's face it like this, or I'll phrase it in, in in this way. At this level, when you are fighting, you know, between let's say you know the top ten, you know, top five of any division, you are the elite of that division. Yeah, you cannot afford to give openings to guys of this of that caliber, and at that level, it's not about how many, you know, openings you take advantage of, it's how, my, how many openings you give. And unfortunately, mm. Volk gave just enough openings that Ilya took advantage of it. That, that's the way I saw it. Yeah, he, he never and, really managed to back to, to worry her off at any time during the fight. I know, obviously, he stepped back a few times, but he, he never looked under pressure, I don't think, for, for the entire seven and a half minutes that the fight lasted. No, well, that's the other thing too. Is that like Deporia didn't didn't look discouraged. Deporia didn't look uh, distracted. He was engaged the entire time, and so was Volk. The difference was is that Volk is sticking to the game plan, trying to you know switch stances, throw a jab, throw a hook, keep him at distance. He's eating leg kicks, but he's addressing it. He's trying to you know. Stay on the outside, not go full on in like he used to. He knows the opponent in front of him is dangerous. Mm-hmm. He just kind of rode the outside and got cut off, especially in that second round where Teporia upped up the, you know, the pressure a little bit. Teporia immediately started to cut him off. Teporia immediately started to land heavier shots. Teporia did not allow Volkanovski to set the pace. No, definitely not. I, I did see and, someone commenting that Volk had kind of circled uh, to the to his own left, you know, into Teporia's right hand, as it were. Uh, yeah. But I, 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 I didn't overly notice that watching the fight. Uh, but I guess it is true. Yeah, now that you guys are 
jogging my brain a little bit more and I'm remembering some more of the, the you're, things you're coming out night. of the depression. Yeah, I think <laughs> the fog is lifting. Uh, you brought up a good point, Danger, about the kicks in the first round from, from Alex. He was really winging those kicks out there, and it was kind of surprising for, like, I don't know, I would say maybe the first 10 strikes he threw were all kicks. He, I don't yeah. think he threw a bunch until, you know, it, it was a minute, minute and a half, two minutes into the fight, maybe. Um, and it seemed as, as peculiar of a strategy as it was, it seemed to kind of be working. And I, I don't know. That he did very similar against Max as well in one of their fights. Maybe it's something he does when he's worried about coming under pressure. Uh, yeah. From, from a skilled boxer. Uh, it just it seemed to be a strange choice to get away from them. Uh, and then uh, another thing that uh, I wanted to bring up was it was it was almost like Taporia didn't get mesmerized by Volk's footwork. Volk no. has a tendency to just kind of he's not like dancing around like not like how Ian Gary was last night running around the cage, <laughs> but he's got a way of. of <laughs> kind of mesmerizing guys with his footwork and, and I think Max kind of fell victim to it in, in their fights where you just sort of I don't know you fall into his dance and his rhythm and Ilya he said fuck that dude I'm I'm gonna fucking dictate this shit and I'm gonna do what I want to do and he just the way he cut through Volk it was it was a sight to see man that dude is he's the truth he's the truth yeah well I I I watched. I actually watched every single one of uh, Ilya's fights on Friday afternoon. I think it was. Uh, I sat and watched every all all fourteen of his fights, and you could see the progression as he starts off. And he, he was very good at, as a black belt in jujitsu. You know, it's clearly a strong fight. I think he got four or five submissions in his first in those first fights. But you could see the boxing suddenly came in, and he all of a sudden he starts becoming much more skilled at that that side of his game. Yeah. And that's the thing too with this guy is, right. where do you attack him? Where's his holes? Where? Yeah, that's something else I was discussing with someone else. Um, they were saying that you know what what part of his game is weak, and I said realistically, Ilya doesn't have the greatest kicking game. That seems to be the main part he doesn't have. Yeah. But he is very good at those calf kicks. He, he, that was something else. Yeah. Up watching mm -hmm. his fights, and uh, sure enough, he pulled him out of the uh, hat in this one. He definitely hurt Volk's calf with those kicks. There were some yeah. really solid meaty thuds from them. Yeah. Well, does does I I know Joe said it, and I want to discredit immediately, but the fact that you know it, it came up a couple of times. While he was kind of exiting, he would kind of leave himself open, hands down, or just mm -hmm. allow a leg kick to land. Uh, those, those were when he would back out of engaging, and it wasn't always that he was going straight backwards. He'd exit out, you know, at an angle usually, or he would clinch and then get out of that, you know, engagement not too long after engaging a landing a hook or landing an uppercut or you know trying to. He wasn't doing it very often, but when he did, it was just kind of like he was in and out. Um, him disengaging and leaving himself open, was that was that something that allowed Ilya to gain pressure? Maybe. Or was that just another opening that just wasn't, you know, able to be capitalized on by Teporia? I think when you when you got a guy like Ilya who's who like we we're discussing, it's just he's being undeniable last night, that, that's a good word to describe it. I feel like he was undeniable in his pressure 
and in his intent. And when you have somebody like Volk, who, as we know, he's he's had a lot of fights now. There's a lot of tape out there on him. There's a lot of film to study. Leaving those kind of openings backing out in that manner, when you the the guy you're facing is already taking advantage of of every opening, you leave that door cracked a little bit. You he's got to be advancing on you, you know. So each time he did that, he's inching closer and closer to demise. Yeah, I think I think Volk had seen this. I think what a lot of people had seen that Ilya had been caught. I think it was Herbert who caught him with that nasty head kick, and he. It, he has a tendency to duck one way. Uh, I'm not sure if it's to his right kind of thing. That was why Volk threw a hell of a lot of head kicks as well as he threw a lot of calf kicks in the first round. Uh, so I think he was trying to capitalize on that. Um, it, it was quite amusing because I, I didn't watch the fights live. I came down today and watched them this afternoon. And uh, obviously the disadvantage of that is that you know when the show is going to end. So by the time their fight was due, there was only about half an hour of fighting left to watch and they hadn't even walked out yet so i was figuring this it wasn't going past the third round which obviously mm. t- to me said that tapuri was much more likely to get a finish than volt was and sure yeah. enough he did so i didn't feel that under pressure that he was going to lose uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah i might have been yeah. more nervous if i'd watched it live but i sure should nerve-wracking yeah oh yeah yeah it was good, especially with those head kicks flying up you know that was that was the one path to victory I saw in a short fight for Volk was that he might land a head kick and and do the same to Ilya as uh, Islam did to him, but of course he well, didn't. Uh, well, even then, like you're looking at Volk getting his head snapped back by a couple of the engagements that Ilya was leading with, and those combinations of like landing the one-two, he missed with the first punch and land the second. You know, Volk's head snaps back, and he's like, oh, shit, okay, then I got to disengage, move out, move out, side, 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 and he's reestablishing his range again, you know, because it just he was plotting forward the entire time, and he was just accepting whatever the engagement was and, you know, just wasn't going to be denied his victory, I guess. No. Just insane. 15-0. <laughs> 15-0, undisputed yeah, yeah. champion. <laughs> a, a liter of a liter of wine before you cut weight is obviously the best base for uh, victory in MMA. He's the he's the opposite <laughs> of Paulo Costa. I love yeah, yeah. yeah, another a, a little good oh. point that fight too is uh, you know, when he fought Islam and Islam caught him with that kick, you know, and it grazed off the top of the dome, and then he finished him with the shots and got the TKO in. That head kick wasn't as impactful and didn't put Volk out as much as the right hook from fucking Taporia. That know. hook obliterated him. Like he was, he didn't know what the fuck was going on. He was out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It was just over and done. Yeah. That was a genuine fucking KO right there. Uh, I don't remember. Um, who's, who's Volk's uh, head corner guy. Um, uh, Isn't it Behrman? No, it's not Behrman. No. It's uh, yeah, shit. Not the guy. I can't remember his name, but they were they were saying on the broadcast that he was asking directly after, "What did he give me with? What did he hit me with?" Mm-hmm. Like so, yeah. he he went from one minute asking his corner, "What did he get me with? What did he catch me with?" to a couple minutes later, he's calling for the rematch. I don't know, man. I don't know. He, so let me say this: What is your guys' stance on rematches and title fights? I, I feel like it's it's 
it's a case by case basis. And if anyone, anyone has a claim to an immediate rematch based off of their, their resume in that division and their title resume, it would be Volk. But yeah. then you got to yeah. take into consideration. Yeah. As we all know, he's coming off of what three losses in his last four fights. Uh, two of them being knockouts. Yeah. So it's like, dude, as much as you deserve it, and we all know you're hard headed and stubborn and, and you, you're going to want it, you need to take some time off, bro. Bare minimum six months. Bare minimum six months of non-contact. Yeah. Yeah. Just six, six months to a year, yeah, which is bad news for Volk, obviously, being 35. I'm not, I'm not sure when he turns 36. Is it September? He didn't look bad. He didn't look bad. He was in relatively great shape. He looked like he had the moments, but, I mean, like I said, it's just he just gave just enough of an opening, got caught, being cut off against the cage. Yeah. It's It happens. It happens to the best fighters. I mean, hell, look at Usman, who was literally winning the entirety, or majority, I shouldn't say the entirety. No, you shouldn't, because I'll jump all over you. (laughs) Well, Leon won the first round, but uh, when they were in Salt Lake City the first time. Yeah. Won the next three rounds pretty handily and was winning the fifth, and then, you know, one opening, ended the fight. Headshot, boom, dead, yeah. But, and that's the thing, I think we were kind of, Looking at that, this fight with Vulcan Ilya, like it, it was looking to be a great chess match of a you know Volk looking to be the matador and Ilya being the bull almost in the sense, which is kind of the opposite of his name. But either way, um, <laughs> it's it's kind of it was kind of interesting. He just like you know I, he tried to play the matador and it doesn't work because he's not one. He's no. he wasn't able to do that for Ilya and now. Like I, I think you're right, Lazy. Like it, he's earned it, and I think I was talking to somebody on the Discord last night, and I, we were both saying I think uh, the idea is that Volk has earned it. I, in my personal opinion, you should have at least at a bare minimum three title fights before uh, you, if you, let's say you lose a split decision in a title fight, before you get a rematch, right? You should be at least have three title fights under your belt that you've defended before you know having a rematch. Uh, immediately yeah, that's uh, for the title. But in this case, he got knocked out. He needs time off anyways. Give him the time. Give, we, don't, we don't need a rush. The division moves on. This is why the stupid fucking fight with Justin Gaethje and Max Holloway ruined shit. Yep. I don't know. Let me have this. We don't <laughs> need Max fighting at 55 right now. We need him at 45. And... Uh, if he was going to do that, like, th- okay, fine, whatever. But no, like, this, this hurts the division because now there's not a number one contender other than, let's say, Mozart Ivloyev. And even then, it's, no one's going to want to watch him fight because Dana's already shat on him for some reason. Because apparently he, he's one of those guys that Dana just doesn't like for some reason. And now Max Holloway's stuck at 55 when he could be the next guy in line for Ilya. Well, that, that's what a lot of people were saying right from uh, the start when before the, the uh, BMF fight was arranged for him. They were saying, why doesn't Max just wait? Because if Volk does lose, then yeah. Max steps in and he gets the title shot next. But of course, he, he didn't want to be uh, idle and he wanted to fight Gaethje. The problem is, if he does fight Gaethje, even if he does win, which I doubt personally yeah. he will, <laughs> the st- how long is it going to take him to recover from a fight against Gaethje? You know, for a fact, mm-hmm. his legs are going to be chewed to death uh, and it's not like Gaethje has pillar hands. 
So, what, Max, Max will be ready at Christmas, maybe, sometime around then, if he wins. <laughs> Here, here's my thing, okay, because this whole scenario basically just overcomplicated everything at 145 and 155. And this is why you can practically blame Charles Oliveira for all of this. Yeah, for cutting his head. Well, for cutting the court, yeah. exactly. If Charles never got the cut and Volk didn't step in on short notice against Islam and set off this whole chain of events, we wouldn't be in this fucking mess. Okay, is this, this whole oh. thing some fucking weird alternate timeline and it should have never gone down this way. But well, here we are. It's not... Blame the Saudis for not wanting Gamrot to fight him when he when he was the um they, yeah the, they the, had the, the backup yeah <laughs> and, uh, and they, the Saudis like now we don't the... want him so that's why Volk it would have been an arguably fun fight to watch like, uh, <laughs> you know two grapplers doing their thing <laughs> now we now we got okay we got Max taking on Gagey at 155 people are saying win or lose after this fight Max should just move up to 155 and stay there. Volk loses two one fifty fights at one fifty five, then loses it to Poria, and now they're saying, "Well, Volk should just permanently move up to one fifty five now and become a lightweight." So they're yeah. wanting to take two guys from featherweight, move them up to fucking lightweight. We got the the guy who probably should be fighting for the lightweight title and Justin Gagey fighting one of those fucking featherweights with Max. It's a fucking shit show. The whole thing's a shit show. No, I I have an idea. Hear me out. Hear me out. Um, win, lose, or draw, you're gonna have to put Mozart Vloyev. Um, right, well, Mozart Vloyev should get the next title fight, period. Because you're gonna have Yair Rodriguez facing, um, Ortega, uh, Brian Ortega, right? Yeah. I don't like the fact that either of them are able to get a title fight from this stupid fight. And, matter of fact, I'd rather them just not be ranked. But that's me. Um, I'm more of a stickler for that kind of shit. Um, and in the meantime, I pray that there's something that happens to this uh, mystical uh, BMF title fight that should and shouldn't happen. And now things open up. Uh, Dana White's like, I can't do the fight all of a sudden. Shit happens. You know, it's a fight game. And then... Um, Basically, we get blessed with uh, Justin Gaethje getting the next title fight, and um, we get Max Holloway going Gaethje back down to featherweight. The meritocracy. Hold on, hold on. Wait, I have one more. And in the meantime, let's say let's say Ilya and Max, or Ilya versus you know Mozart happens. Whatever the combination of what. Justin Gaethje is able to, you know, handle his stuff at uh, lightweight. If there's no time frame that works for either the champion or, you know, Volk, put him against Josh Emmett, wait a year for it, make it about December when he could come back. Gives plenty of time. Josh Emmett's coming off of a win. Plus, it'd be a fun fight to watch. It's still a contender. He's slow enough. He hits hard, but he's only got one speed. He's like Dan Henderson. Volk's well-rounded. Volk's tough. If Volk has enough time, enough game planning, enough you know time to recover, more or less, 
that's a winnable fight for him. He's still in contendership. He's not 38. There's time. It's not the hardest fight in the world, but it's not the easiest fight. It's a perfect time for him to at least take that. Yeah, I could see that. You know, as much I, as I'd like to... I am baffled why people are suggesting Volk should move up to 155. Uh, he's, it's clearly, not, it's he's, not, he's clearly not going to win the belt because Islam isn't going to move up to 170 just yet. So what the hell is he going to do? Who's, who's he going to fight? I think, that that's exactly, I think that's exactly it, is that at 145, what the hell is he going to do? He, if he doesn't get the rematch with, uh, you know, Tapuria, he's going to have to, what, kill off some contenders or rematch guys he's already beaten. Yeah. That's why you give him Emmett. That's why you give him Emmett. Because Emmett isn't necessarily a, a true contender. It's um he's like a perennial contender. That's that's what I wanted to see happen when we had Max stuck in Purgatory. You had a list of contenders and he took one of them off in Arnold Allen. You had guys who were older or just been in the UFC long enough. Yep. Who had basically been stuck and either fought for the title or had at one point just been contenders, number one contenders at that, and just never did anything with it. Max should have just only fought those guys, the guys who were older, the guys who had already fought for a title, guys who are bigger names. Yeah, and like Volk should have just fought. idea that you had. Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's just uh, Volk should have only fought the contenders until one of them either beats him or there's nobody else to fight and eventually they would go to max which would prevent the purgatory thing from being an issue but and also max taking out you know contenders but, but another, since... another question which i know uh Oz, our aussie uh, fans won't exactly like but should shouldn't vault perhaps just retire now no no, <laughs> no so. he's lost three no. fights out of his last four i know two were at lightweight but I think is, is he really going to push anywhere near the top again? I think there's uh, kind of an argument for it because it like, like we're just the whole conversation that you know is going to come with this is what do you do with them, and that's kind of what we're talking about. You've already fucking cemented your legacy. You've done, yeah, achieved the highest heights you're going to achieve. It, even if he puts together another win streak or wh whatever it is, you're not going to outdo what you've already done. You're only getting older. You're starting to rack up losses, and those don't look good on your fucking resume. I mean, uh, I just don't know. I, I don't. But he did. He just fucking negotiated the, that new deal to where yeah. now he's getting. So that I don't would, know. Yeah, that would be money. That would yeah. be my my thing is that he's just now getting that money. So. Yeah. Let him let him make the money against guys who are names. Like honestly, he could probably fight Edson Barbosa. It'd be fun. Honestly, he could fight guys like, you know, well, uh, Josh Emmett. Like I said, let him. Because the idea is he's finally there. He doesn't need to fight for the belt now. If the belt is not available, but he has an opportunity to fight for it later. Well, when, if he loses, interrupting, if he do, do, does anyone think that Volk has a, actually has a chance of taking the belt back from Tapuria, even if he gets a rematch? Because I don't. I don't, I don't see. I, I don't give him a chance at all. I think Tapuria will do the same thing to him the again. Circumstances in this fight, I think, were it was a it was a you know gunslinging battle or duel. 
whoever like whoever gave the best uh, opportunity to finish the fight was going to finish the fight. And See, Ilya happened to be that. That's, that's I, thought, gonna, I thought it was pretty close. That's what it's going to be anytime you take on Tapuria, though. And we're sitting here saying that Volk's best bet is to take six months to a year off if he's going to come back at this at all. If that's your best hope of beating this dude, and this dude's going to fight you the same way next time, mm-hmm. your chances aren't any better. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I'm worried that with Volk getting this new contract and his primary motivation as of late and going forward probably being racking up money, he's got the potential to go on a Tony Ferguson like losing streak, dude. Like, yeah. no, don't put that on him. Seriously, <laughs> because he's, if it's about money, he's going to want to turn this thing around in like three months. He's going to want to get right back in. There. <sighs> yeah, he's shown he's not willing to sit for six months and wait for another fight. And he's going to get dropped over and over. His chin's not going to get any better now, is it? Let's face it. No. Well, it, well neither people. It's the next fight from this, but like they, they were saying the same shit about Robert Whitaker, and look what happened, right? What are the hardest hitters? No, no one was saying Whitaker's chin had gone though, particularly. Did you did you see the chat? <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing but for like people who were cheering for fucking the fat ass Paulo Pasta. And all of these fucking people. It's it's a different fight. I'm already pissed about it. But I, it, they literally were giving up on him after he got fucking hit with the wheel kick. And it's like, oh, he's fucked. His chin is fucked. And it's like, or, oh, oh looks like Whitaker's going to get knocked out now. It's like, well, I've, I've said I didn't watch the fights live. So, no, I didn't see the uh, Discord chat on that. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was fucking infuriating. Just, just another yeah, question. I, I have a bone to pick with you after this, too, Lazy. So... <laughs> Well, just, but, just another quick one because we've been going on with this quite a while. Uh, what do yeah, you think we, of uh, Tapuria's boxing? How does he rate in the uh, across the MMA? Quite fr- well across the UFC. Quite frankly, uh, I know Max always claims he's the best boxer in the UFC. Exactly. Uh, but we how don't, we don't know area rank. We don't know how he ranks until he faces. Better he got to face the best boxer in the UFC, baby. <laughs> yeah, until that's you true. Max, we don't know. Yeah. You, well, the other tasty part about this is that he hasn't fought Max. He hasn't fought um, Mozart Vloyev. He hasn't fought Arnold Allen. He hasn't fought a good amount of the dudes, and that's awesome for this division because yeah. now it's fresh mashups for everybody, right? Yeah. But that's what happens when you take down a longstanding champion. But Yeah, it's another division that's been blown wide open by a change of champion, which we've yep. seen a lot this year, year 18 months or so. We yeah. could literally do this whole episode just on this fight. <laughs> we could, yeah. just on this fight. Should, we just, should we just do this and then uh, stop and we'll start again? And, uh, <laughs> or or shall we'll we actually yeah. go on to the no, co-main event just, now? We've already, we've already dragged this one out a little bit. And uh, honestly, yeah, I want to see how this next round turns out. Yeah. So, so shall we jump onto Whitaker versus Costa? Yeah. And, and see as Austin was uh, ranted about it, we'll let him take this one away. Fuck all of you in the Discord who picked against <laughs> Robert Whitaker. I didn't I Bobby, Whittaker, so. fucking I know, I know. Neither did Dave. Lazy. <laughs> I'm looking at you. I'm just saying, I know there was a lot of fucking doubt on my boy Bobby Knuckles, and fuck you all for fucking picking against him, or if you did, and then you fucking <laughs> you were like, oh my god, he's gonna lose. No. Have fucking faith. It's called having fucking faith in the fucking fighter you picked. God damn it. 
Fucking Bobby <laughs> Knuckles is back in contention again. All he needs is one more fight or just to be available. Because guess what? The division is fucking wide open. Yes, his trick is Duplessis. But we even know if he can fucking hold the belt. He just no, stole it off of fucking Sean Strickland. And I'm pretty sure he can beat Sean Strickland. So, I don't know. But for me, looking at the chat was just interesting because a former champion, the likes of Robert Whitaker. Now, granted, he didn't have the best title run or title defenses um, out there. He, he's been in the fucking trenches, man. He is not taking an easy fight. And nope. matter of fact, he's taking nothing but fucking hitters. I can't say the same for fucking Paula Pasta, the fat fuck, but that's just me. <laughs> now, understand that I respect the danger that Paula Costa brings. But honestly, like, he is a guy who should be fighting more often, but for some reason is always looking for a reason not to. And that's not to say that he's afraid of fighting people. He's not. He's honestly pretty... He's pretty adamant about being really good, and he's honestly very good. That wheel kick he threw on fucking Whitaker, those head kicks he was throwing, he was throwing some really great one-two combinations and some powerful fucking strikes. He just doesn't fight that often. No. He's, he's, oh, God, he's like, I. if he fought more, I'd have more respect for him because he's funny, but he's also yeah. stupid. So yeah, he's mean games on point. Yeah, we'll give him that. <laughs> but that's the thing. That's the thing with me. It's like there was so much that I looked at this matchup and thought, okay, he just has to avoid playing the dogfight. Paulo's really good about singular strikes, power striking, and just being a bully. Yep. Who's good about beating up bullies? Robert Whitaker. <laughs> Who's also good about outpointing bullies? Robert Whitaker. Yeah. Hell, two wars with fucking Yo Romero would fucking prove that, right? But that's yeah. just me. Um, <clears throat> uh, Rob Rob looked great. Don't get me wrong. I, I was I wasn't a hundred percent convinced he'd won it. I thought there was there was a slight chance that Costa might have edged one. And I obviously claimed the first round, although Whitaker was clearly ahead for most of the round. It was just that spin, beautiful spinning heel kick that claimed what was your score? that cost him the round. <laughs> although I think one judge did score it for uh, Whitaker for some reason. I thought that was a bit dubious. No, because it was at the end of the round. Yeah, like he he wasn't able to capitalize on it, and it wasn't so much that like if he did, it wouldn't amount to anything. But like he in he every single thing, like at the end of that round, though. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that like if he landed it, great. But there was like only three seconds left. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It'd be different if it was like in the middle of the like the final minute, and it was with like you know a whole minute to go left in the fight. It was literally the last like ten seconds it landed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought I I thought I had a I I discounted that kick. <laughs> <laughs> That's my bias because Robert, Robert it, Whitaker, it, it caused damage. It caused probably the most damage in the round. It did nothing from, in the next two rounds. Maybe Whitaker's uh, leg kick, uh, which battered uh, Costa's calves up very well throughout the entire round. Good. I I hope he can't fucking walk for the rest of the fucking month <laughs> for the rest of his life. <laughs> God. All right. Rant over. <laughs> Go ahead, lazy. Yeah, you got oh, oh, yeah, I got someone on this. Well, first of all, I'd just like to clarify that I wasn't picking against Robert Whitaker. I was just 
enjoying some secret juice <laughs> in my life. Uh, uh, honestly, going into this fight, like on, on the weigh-in show and stuff like that, both these dudes looked phenomenal. Like, I was very shocked how well Paulo did with this cut. I think everybody was nervous. You know, the whole MMA universe was nervous coming into this, coming into this, that uh, Paulo was probably going to fuck up or pull out or do something. Luckily, things worked out, and we actually got to fight night. Both dudes made the walk, and we got to see ourselves a banger of a fight. Um, yeah, you know, Robert looked really good. He looked sharp. He looked on point. Uh, he was doing his usual you know, semi karate style point fighting deal. Um, Paulo's doing throwing his blitzes that he likes to throw forward, yeah, which were really fucking cutting through Paulo. Um, he Costa was like Austin was saying, primarily just throwing one shot at a time, which I think really fucked him over. If he would have put together some combos, he would have had a much uh, better shot at, at stealing some of these rounds at least. Um, of course, this the spinning wheel kick at the end of the first was probably the most seminal moment of the fight. But outside of that, it seemed like Robert pretty handedly won. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting seeing how both guys are matched up because Whitaker has faced pretty much everyone, and Costas kind of in a in a strange spot where he fights like what once a year, if that. Uh, what was he coming off of, like a 19-month layoff or something? Yeah, something like that. Well, it would be ideal for fighting Hamza. They both only yeah. like fighting one yeah. <laughs> year anyway, so. And actually, I was I just, in, in oh. talking, I just uh, made myself think of something. Uh, probably my last point that I'll make is uh, I don't know how much of that was Paulo having a lot of ring rust because he seemed sort of hesitant. Uh, but is what it is. Good win for the Reaper, and uh, I'm happy that he's on the up and up again. Yeah. So, so uh, I, don't, I don't think there's anything I can throw in that hasn't already been said, but what next for Robert? What next for, for the Reaper? Uh, I, I think Strickland would be the next fight for him. Uh, and that gives us the number one contender again uh, against Drickus. Cause that'd be two, two guys who've lost to Drickus uh, and whoever wins gets another crack in and a crack at the belt. Presuming that DDP can hang on to it. Of course. Well, is that is that dependent on whether or not Izzy gets the title first? Mm. That's That'd point. be my only. I don't. I don't think Izzy that. should get a shot at the title either. But if anything, he should fight uh, Hamza, and they'll have the number one contender. There's, there's no way Izzy deserves the shot. He he defended the title. Well, did he? He won the title, then he lost it the very next fight. Uh, I didn't have a problem with him getting a reshot against uh, uh, Pereira against Poetan because he'd been a long-standing champion by that point. But then he comes back, wins the belt, loses it to Strickland. He doesn't deserve to come back and get another shot. That's okay. just being uh, a white privilege. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, if we're going to be doing this, then yeah, the Sean versus Whitaker would be the my personal pick, like you said, that they both have faced and lost to uh, Drakus. But... The other thing you could do in the meantime, if we're not sure if Izzy is coming back yet, he said he has, or what, what did he say? He said he was training. 
Is it, is yeah, it, he said it was training, yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, okay. So then I've the heard he's been playing game. some golf. I haven't seen much else of his uh, training. <laughs> well, the only other contender you could actually put in the title fight right now is Jared Cannonier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of been, like, dangling around the outskirts for a while now because of that injury. Yeah, that's right. Yes, that's what it is. Thank you for for saying that because I forgot about that. Um, but don't forget, yeah, Dana White is very keen on getting Hamza a shot at the middleweight belt as well. Then you would put him against any of the other bottom of the middleweights, like Paulo Costa. Paulo Pasta now qualifies as well. That's a contender who's just lost and has lost his. Well, technically he beat Rockhold, but that wasn't a contender fight. No. He he just lost a title eliminator with Robert Whitaker. He now has to face someone below him to defend his spot. That would be worthy of fighting someone below you who isn't ranked. Or is he ranked? I don't know. Who are we talking about here? Uh, it comes out. Hamzat is number 11 in the middleweight rankings. God damn it. Fuck these UFC rankings. They're so <laughs> fucking stupid. That's what I would do, though. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to match make on the fly here, and it's not looking too good. <laughs> Cannoneer, though, that's he's an interesting outlier because seeing how he fits into this picture is going to be key going forward. Number four in the division uh, has a win over Strickland. So, yeah, so it's that'll be interesting. Well, logically, the right is logically Whitaker. If yeah, you know, it has to be Adesanya or Strickland if he's not getting an actual shot at the belt. They're the only two guys above him. Although, as you said, Cannonier versus Whitaker for for a number one number one contender shot. Would also be fairly decent. So take your pick, really, from those. The only one left in the top five is Marvin Vittori, who just got his ass handed to him by Cannoneer. Yeah. Good yeah. Round Robin. God. <laughs> this division's a mess. <laughs> what were we saying about divisions all being open again? Yeah. Fair. <laughs> Uh, I think we've exhausted everything on this one. Yeah, so we we, we don't know what's going to happen next, basically, we can say. Uh, oh, before we move on, I want an apology from everybody in the Discord who decided to go against my boy, Robert Whitaker. Uh, you could at me, DM me. If not, fuck you. <laughs> doesn't matter. My boy won and defied all the odds. Thank you. I, I owe you nothing, so... <laughs> I, just had I was all the way there. behind, Rob, so... It's true, yeah. There wasn't a lot. <laughs> Although you did, you did steal Whitaker in the draft, DM, so you do owe him an apology for that. <laughs> you do, you, you said a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten about the draft. I think we were on about discussing that. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it maybe for a bit, a little bit later. I need, to, I, need Dave, I need Dave to put my vote back up there. I accidentally did it. <laughs> And then we can do, do some negotiating. But in the meantime, we'll go on to uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Neal versus uh, Ian Machado Gary, everyone's favorite fighter. Not uh, uh, <laughs> for me, for, for me, this was uh, not a very exciting fight overall. 
Um, it was back and forth. Uh, it happened kind of the way I thought it was. Uh, I did pick Neil originally and then switched my uh, change uh, to Gary because I thought he was going to eke out a points decision against Neil, and sure enough, he did. Uh, I know a couple of judges gave him 30-27s, which I didn't really agree with. I thought Neil at, at least snatched. I think it was the first round I gave him. But I, I guess a decent performance from Gary. He's, his striking looked crisp. Uh, you know, he was landing some nice combos, some nice body kicks. Uh Neil dominated the clinch time during the fight, but uh, Gary definitely won the striking battle, I thought. Um, thought Having watched it, I thought it was probably going to be a split decision. But uh, was it a split decision, actually? Or... Yeah, yeah, it was. Split decision, yeah. So I did, I did nail that one kind of uh, thing. Actually, it looks as though Machado Gary got two 30-27 scorecards. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Someone wants to jump in and say more on this one? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to shout out UFC and their production department and their camera crew for leaning into this whole fucking Ian Gary and his wife debacle because they showed her on camera like three different times. Uh, and I think that was intentional. That was definitely them saying, yeah, we know this is going to garner some fucking hits and some, some traffic online, so we're going to keep showing its wag on the fucking screen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, not the most exciting fight, obviously. Uh, Gary mostly fucking showing, you know, high fight IQ and uh, uh, good footwork and uh, athletic ability, but it made for a fucking boring ass fight. Um, some made, of the he made, made me dizzy going round in circles on the cage. <laughs> Oh, it had to have been frustrating the shit out of Jeff Neal. Had to have been fucking driving him nuts. Oh, yeah, you can tell. Hey, that's, that's on you to catch the guy. You fucking cut him off. You know, you don't got to follow him. You fucking cut the cage off. Yeah, learn from Ilya. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, uh, uh, damn it, I done forgot what I was going to say. Yeah, so, uh, oh, the, the knees up the middle from Gary. Oh, beautiful. Those were very nice. Um, I feel like going forward, uh, he could really utilize those knees against some of the, the stronger grapplers in the division. Um, yeah, no, not the most exciting fight, but a win for Gary. Um, I like anything that pisses off the majority of the fan base. So <laughs> I was happy to see him win, despite not being the biggest fan of uh, his personal life and character. And uh, yeah, going forward, hate him or love him. The dude's got a fucking bright future. Yeah, what did that make him? Is it 14 and 0 now, or is it 15 and 0? I forgot what he's. Uh, no, I think it's less than that. Is it less than that? Is it? He is 14 and 0. 14 and 0. Yeah. Oh, shit. Wow. <laughs> it sticks up on you. Because I remember when he was like 8 and 0 in the UFC. Damn. Oh. Right. Was, he has seven wins in the UFC, so he spent half of his career in the UFC. Goddamn. See? <laughs> God, I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> no, granted, um, he 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 just debuted back in 2019. So, yeah, it's fair. That's fair. Um, uh, I don't know who I should be more disappointed in, uh, Jeff Neal or Ian. Um, mainly because I felt like this was 
Jeff's fight to lose, and sure enough, he allowed Ian to kind of just dictate the pace of the fight, dictate the range of the fight, and honestly just did not... When he pressured, the knees coming up the middle did affect him, but it wasn't it wasn't so much that he seemed like, oh, this is dangerous. It was more like, all right, now I have to just reset. Now I have to just reset. There wasn't any precedent on him actually pressuring as much as much as it was just like, ah, this is annoying. Why do I have to deal with this? All right, I just need to land heavy shots and then wait. That's what it felt like. And then when he would he would get off balance and clinch, and it was annoying because that slick boxing style that I was used to seeing with Jeff Neal was just not there. And I don't know if that's just because he was more focused on avoiding the knee in the clinch, looking for big openings, you know, blasting through and then just kind of minimizing his risk by clinching up against the fence. Or if it was just he legitimately had a game plan and the game plan wasn't working and he just decided not to follow it. Or if he just decided, fuck it, I'm going to do my own thing because I already know I can beat him, which ended up not happening. So. I think the one thing you can say for Gary, he did control the range pretty well. You know, he kept yeah. he kept the fight at the distance he wanted it. And the only time Jeff ever got close to him, he ended up they ended up clinching up against the cage. And yeah. they couldn't really land anything. And Gary was fairly decent at stopping him landing anything there. And he just managed well, to get more away from him and like, start dancing again. Yeah. Yeah, more often than not, Gary basically just needed to land a parry uh to a jab or just like literally land like an outside leg kick or just a hook when he would disengage and that kept Jeff on his, on his, you know, feet, like on his toes, just, all right, well, I got to keep my eyes open for another thing that's coming. He just didn't offer enough. And that was kind of the thing that was disappointing. He's pressuring, but he's not doing enough with his pressure. And it was disappointing to see it because as you're watching the fight, Gary's literally at, at will just landing what he wants to. And it was frustrating for me because I know Jeff Neal is a better fighter than what we saw. And then he assumed I, that he won, which was the most frustrating part about it. Like, you literally were willing to give majority of the fight away. And the only times you did engage were few and far between. Like, that was the thing that was frustrating to me as a fan of Jeff Neal. Yeah, but, he certainly had know, a better fight against Shavkat than he did against Gary. Uh, that was yeah, of, more of a brawl there, but... Part of what I think played into this, and I... I haven't really heard this talked about anywhere is Gary really played the mental warfare game beautifully. And I'm just kind of putting the, this together in my head right now. If you think back during the, the presser, okay. You're, you're okay. You're Ian Gary. You got Jeff Neal. Who's you already were scheduled to fight him. You made the fucking t-shirt with his mugshot and all that shit. Jeff Neal was fucking pissed off. He was angry. This dude's fucking, he wants to take your head off. He's raging mad. Fight gets called off. I can't remember why. Blah, 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 blah. Some time passes. They get rescheduled. Here we are. Okay, you go back to the presser this past week. Ian Gary immediately kind of diffused the anger situation by getting Jeff Neal to agree to shake his hand after the fight. Jeff did. That's the first step in kind of diffusing that anger. Then during the fight, what did Ian Gary do about a thousand times? He dapped up Jeff Neal. He gave him, they kept high-fiving each other again and again and again. I don't remember who I've heard say it before, but I've heard fighters say that's a tactic. That's not just a, a, 
a thing that they're doing. That's a, a way to try to, you know, take that killer instinct away from your opponent. You put them into that friend space. You put them into that, we're just sparring and we're just playing. Let's high five. And Jeff was fucking buying into it and doing it every single time to the point where when he was going back to his corner between rounds, Safe Sayud from Fortis MMA was tearing into his fucking ass. Yeah. Stop fucking dapping him up. Stop dapping him up. And he kept doing it. Ian Gary played the fucking mental game beautifully. And I think that definitely played into the way Jeff fought and why he didn't show that sharpness in the boxing and the aggression. He was he got stuck in this weird sort of limbo of like we're just play fighting. But if if you want to, if I want to give it um, something that Ian Gary will like the comparison to, it's a bit like when uh, Connor fought um, Cowboy Cowboy Cerrone, and he treated him as nice as pie before the fight. He didn't try and get mm-hmm. into it. He just he was just like super friendly. Then of course once he got in the cage, he battered the hell out of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, Gary did, also... did do kind of the same thing. That's on Jeff too. He got to separate that kind of shit from when you're in there too, because it's like you have one job, and that is to beat your opponent. You know, you can yeah. be friends after, not during. Yeah. How many how many times have you seen right before the fight when the you know both fighters are on either side of the cage and the ref saying, "Are you ready? Are you ready?" And the 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 one fighter sticks his hand up like, "Hey, you want a high five before it starts?" And the other fighter says, "No, nah, no," nah, shakes their head. That's the fucking attitude yeah. Jeff needed tonight. Yeah. I ain't shaking your fucking hand. I ain't dapping you up. Not today. Not today. <laughs> Not today, motherfucker. <laughs> so so what next for Gary then? Because uh, I don't think we're going to want to say much more on that particular fight. But uh, di- I, I didn't actually listen to his post-fight speech just because I don't like Ian Gary. He um, called out Colby. Called out Colby. I did think that's what I'd heard. Yeah. Uh, personally, I'd rather see him fight Wonderboy, and I actually think Wonderboy might well beat him in a straightforward stand-up match. I am going to just fight. Shavkat. Oh, that's right. Thank you. And he got finished. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to steal Dave's fucking idea that I seen him say in one of the live chats last night, and I think that Ian Gary should face the winner of Kevin Holland and MVP. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. You're welcome, Lazy Ben. <laughs> well done, Mr. No. Honestly, I think you should fight Jack Della Maddalena. Uh, depending that's if what Jack I think. if Jack beats Gilbert Burns. Yeah. What happens if Burns beats Jack though? Still should um, he face him? No, Burns would face somebody like a um Sean. No, I'm sorry. God damn it. What's his name? Sean Brady. Okay, yeah. Two of Bilal's he'd former opponents. Another... Yeah, he he'd have to he'd have to face another contender or face Kevin Gaslam if he's in, still in the division. He'd rather I'd rather him face a contender that's a name uh that's going to get him out there that's already fought for a title. Or that's just a perennial contender at this point. Like you keep the guys that haven't fought the other guys away from the perennial contenders as best as you can. Jack is unfortunately at that point where he's ahead of Gary, so he can't really take too many steps back uh, in a competition. Whereas Burns doesn't really have that luxury. 
Burns Jack has is to behind take Gary in the rankings. Then how is he facing Burns? Uh, I don't know. Jack's number 11 facing yeah, Burns. Yeah. He's number four. Machado Gary's number 10. I would have had Jack ahead yeah. of him. That's weird. Well, don't forget, Gary just beat uh, Jeff Neal, who was ranked eighth. So presumably Gary is now ranked eighth. Yeah, that's true, too. Oh, my God. I hate this division. <laughs> <laughs> Which would put Tom, Wonderboy Thompson just one place ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. Whereas he's obviously wanted to fight Colby because he thinks he'll probably be an easy fight for him. I'm not sure he would. Colby might actually do something against him. You never know. Well, he froze against fucking Leon. I doubt he's going to be willing to do anything, that fucking punk. But <laughs> broke my foot no. on his elbow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then go complain about it to every news organization that's willing to take your side of the story and not actually watch the fight. I wonder. I'm wondering if you stole Wonderboy's uh, X-rays for that uh, interview. <laughs> he probably would. Wonder- they're probably fake. Wonderboy broke his foot as well, didn't he? Supposedly. I believe Wonderboy. I don't. He's, he does. It's not in him to lie. No, I think that was Shotgun that injured his foot. Oh, his ankle. His ankle. Yeah. I'm sure Thompson did as well, but we shall not argue over it. <laughs> not, yet. not yet anyway maybe later move yeah. this thing along to probably the star of the night right here ah uh, damn right take us away as soon as you've brought him up alright I will gladly take this one <laughs> shout out team Sarah fucking Longo yeah Pretty goddamn <laughs> Longo in the fucking corner that was a power corner last night first let me start with that you had Ray Longo you had, uh, who was it, John Wood um, and uh, Aljamain Sterling. I mean, that's a fucking all-star corner. Uh, fucking Marab Dwalashwili, the machine, living up to his name in, in every fucking manner of the word. Took it to Henry, unlike I've seen anybody ever take it to Henry. Now, granted, Henry's getting up there in age, but nevertheless, fucking Marab was all over his fucking ass. Uh, I believe that the the striking numbers, Marab outstruck Henry two to one, which that's only ever happened once in his career outside of this, and it was when DJ beat him in the first round. So that tells you something right there. Uh, Marab also the only person in uh, bantamweight history with a 10-fight win streak. Uh, There's never been a more clear cut fucking deserving number one contender than Marab. If no. they if, if they don't give this dude the title shot, it's fucking absurd. But Dana's according, already said he's next. Yeah, I was gonna say according to Dana last night, it, he which he's never he never did it for Aljo, but he did it for Marab last night. He's guaranteed this fucking shot. Um Marab's got a sick uh, publicity game though, hasn't it? His memes have been, you know, yes, all, yes, that's it. I can't remember. I can't remember anybody in MMA that ever turned around the public's opinion of them so drastically in like a two week span. Because between the fucking the couple of videos that he put out and leading up to this fight and just the the pre fight stuff, the post fight stuff, like dude is fucking taken off. He's a star. Uh, yeah, dude. You can't. Nobody can can compete with that cardio. That's ten round fucking cardio. Yep. Let's go, Marab. Yeah, well, just just looking at this, I've just brought the stats up. Uh, 
they've asked Willie uh, Merab, I'll just say that because it's easier. Uh, 167 of 273. Henry, 54 of 106. So three to one stats at strikes. Wow, damn. That's devastating. That's and nice. not only that, he was manhandling his ass all over the fucking cage. He picked him up and carried him over to Zuckerberg. Yeah, that was hilarious. He, he did the Bonzot. He, he fucking, he took fucking him over there and dropped him like a sack of potatoes. Fantastic. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he looked oh, great. Uh, I forgot to mention that when Volk was getting finished by Taporia, you could see the fear and just devastation in Mark Zuckerberg's eyes and in his wife's eyes. And I felt really bad for his wife because they seemed to genuinely like Volk. So like seeing them freak out and just be all, all sorts of emotions about it. Like that felt bad for me watching in that in the replay. Cause I didn't see that on the first like go around, but it, like if you watch the replay, it pans to like a little bit to the right. Of, not, not directly at them, but like as it's playing out and you see, Mark Zuckerberg's wife just fucking just oh my god what the hell is happening just and just you know Marab talking to, it, because it started off with Marab talking to Mark Zuckerberg and you're like oh of course this is not it's gonna be one of those nights it's not gonna be anything crazy and that's how it did for them <laughs> I was like oh Jesus Christ but um no um Marab shouldn't have had to face Cejudo to get another to, to get his title shot this is bullshit and it's primarily because. Dana's a bitch. He likes to, um, how do we say, have his way. He doesn't like to, per se, work with the fighters more often, tell them what they're doing. Marab already earned his title fight fucking three fights ago. Well, you can he was kind, the of blame, only... kind of blame O'Malley for that, for wanting to fight. Um, well, they... even then, it, they, wanted the, they wanted Marab to fight Aljo. And that was the yeah. thing. It's like, oh, he he should just be the next guy in line when Aljo fights somebody else. Unfortunately, Aljo lost. Marab should have been the guy next, but you know, but whatever, doesn't matter. Where they're gonna they're gonna have that fight with uh, Chito Vera and O'Malley and Marab's next guy in line. Perfect, great for him. I hope he wins. I I don't even care if he wins or loses the title fight. I just, he's earned it. He shouldn't have been screwed over. This is his, he did the thing that he was supposed to do. And after getting dropped early or getting wobbled like he usually does, he's got great cardio, great ring awareness, and he's just able to push through his opponents and just grind them into despair. That's what it always looks like. Like, yeah, well, he lost the first round, didn't he? Uh, I yeah, because it was the difference they were was when, they, when they walked back to the corners uh, between the rounds, Mirab looked like confident and fresh as a daisy, and Henry just looked look he looked his age, he looked damn tired. Uh, that's going to bring me to my next point. I am not a fan of fighters sitting out for multiple years and then acting like they deserve the world. Uh, Henry Cejudo, I'm looking at you, dude. You took three three years off your prime because you weren't happy with your pay, and you're still getting about a little bit more than what you were getting three years ago. 150k, I believe. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I think he was making 100 and 100, like I think before he retired or some shit like that. But doesn't matter. Um, he 
chose to sit out during his prime because he said he wanted to be a dad. You're not a female fighter, dude. Like, your whole thing is you can fight and be around. You don't have to be, like, home all the time. Your your job is to fight and if, provide for your family. If you're not fighting, what are you doing? He took up, he took up coaching. Okay, fine, whatever, good for you. But then wanted to fight every single person under the sun when he was out. He finally you know, comes back after being three years and basically says, I want the title. He should have just fought somebody first. He should have fought somebody first. Now, granted, the fight with Aljo I was extremely close. I had no expectations of him being super competitive with him. But, like, this is what happens when you don't fight consistently. Your body doesn't know how to handle that much damage in a short amount of time. Yeah, we're back to again, aren't we? Yeah. Well, that, that's the other thing, too, is, is that, like, you're, you're, you're also older. You can't afford to be taking long breaks between fights. Now, granted, one fight was a title fight. The other was a title eliminator. Three, two less rounds. I think at some point he did injure his forearm, his yeah, left forearm. Swollen, yeah. yeah, and that probably had something to do with him just not being able to engage or not. And I'm not, I'm not going to play like, oh, what, even if he did, it wouldn't have mattered. It, it did have an, a large effect to him. The problem is, is that he just, he just allowed Marab to get his pace going, and then once he was injured, he physically couldn't do anything to him. You know, I don't know what to do with Henry Cejudo now, but he according can't afford to it. according to uh, Sean O'Malley, after the fights were over, he got interviewed by Megno Levy, and he told her that he had heard rumblings before the fight that Cejudo got injured during camp, and he went into the fight injured. I'm of the oh mindset that that's just Sean trying to devalue Marab's win. The, 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 the team actually narrowed it down. They spotted the kick that he landed, that Merab landed on his arm. You could see it bent his arm. Uh, it rippled right up. It, it looked horrendous. And then the sweating, swelling came up after that. So I yeah. think yeah, Paul Malley's smoking out of his arse as usual. Yeah, needs, to that's... Ease, needs to ease off the dope a bit if he's, before he does interviews. That's, yeah. that's, O'Malley, that's O'Malley trying to devalue Merab's win so that he can angle for the fucking Taporia fight. <laughs> Dude, he hasn't even defended the fucking belt. What are we doing here? Yeah. Well, you got Saporia fucking angling for that fight, angling for Conor McGregor. Like, we know he's going to so. Yeah, yeah. This whole get the title and want to immediately move up shit. That's that's a whole topic for another time. But that's bullshit. Just yeah. carrying on with the Henry thing. <laughs> just carrying on with the Henry thing. I, I, there are two horribly bad decisions that have been made in uh, MMA. One was Tony Ferguson doing two weight cuts in two weeks and Henry retiring is up there with that one in terms of fucking up your career. Yeah, yeah, easily. His downfall will be studied in fucking history classes. So, yeah, so I, know, I know Henry said he was going to retire after, if he lost. Do you think Henry will retire? Well, we didn't get to find out because Dana cut him off. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys seen that. Yeah. He's retired from the cage. I guess Dana didn't want to give him a second uh, bite at the cherry. Yeah, Dana was apparently in Rogan's ear and said, you know, don't go to Henry afterwards because he's already had his retirement speech. Yeah. Fair enough. 
He didn't have the gloves off or, or anything, so. Hey. Well, I don't think he's going to take the fucking stupidest thing about Henry is like you guys are saying, like you retire in your prime because of money. Then the entire time you're quote unquote retired, you're trying to get fights with fucking everybody for money. And Annex said that he was quoted recently, Henry, as saying, you can't make this kind of money talking about fight game money off of real estate commissions because that's what he was doing while he was away. He was doing real estate. So you left for money during your prime. You spent the whole time trying to get money. And then now you're back and you're saying, well, if I can't be the champion, I'm just going to retire. So what's it about, Henry? Is it about fucking legacy or is it about money? You need to make your fucking mind up. Well, he's not getting either of those now, is he? So. Yeah. <laughs> how that worked out for you. His paycheck isn't going up after that loss. And his legacy isn't improving. Again, 37 years old, at 135 pounds. And, and fucking yeah. Marab, Marab did more with his social media campaign in two weeks than Henry Cejudo has in his entire career as Captain Cringe. Yeah, part yeah. of his fake sacking of his coach, of course. But... Yeah, it's, it's, that's the thing. Uh, to me, I, I used to root for that guy, you know? Like, that was the thing. It's just like, when he decided to do the Captain Cringe stuff or just... Like, be all, like, <sighs> above what he needed to do for selling the fight. You know, just making it all weird and shit. Or just being kind of like, oh, uh, I'm going to retire. Or, you know, even like when he did the whole, I'm going to move up a division and then immediately abandon it after he defeats uh, Dominic Cruz. Like, coming back immediately, only getting the title fight and... Yeah, the, the the title fight was competitive and everything. I'll give him that, but like, there, there was no, like, okay, we'll gradually bring you in, or like, look, let me take off this time. There wasn't an interim belt installed, or whatever. Like, he literally could have held on to the title, and there could have been some negotiating around, and then they pr- introduced an interim title. This is all just bad decisions, and from the cringe stuff. To him taking off the time. It's like, dude, what were we doing here? Like you said, Lazy, it's like you you made it seem like it was about legacy and then you're saying it's about money. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, dude. You can't have it both ways. Like you make up your mind. Yeah, it's disappointing. We still got a lot of card to run through, fellas. I know. <laughs> Shall we jump onto the last fight on the main card then? Yeah, this one will take too long. <laughs> Roman Kofilov versus uh, Hernandez, whose name, first name I can't remember off the top of my head. Anthony. Anthony, Anthony thank you. Uh, this, this was, yeah, thank you. I remembered his nickname, but it's not his real name. <laughs> this was the, I think, the closest fight that was picked on the Discord, this one. I think there was one pick either way on it. Um, and it was a really close fight for me. I knew more about Kofilov. Then I knew about Hernandez. I know Kopilov's striking's pretty good. But when I did a bit of investigating, I figured that Hernandez, uh, slightly younger, uh, although it's a middleweight fight, so the age doesn't matter quite so much. Um, but again, he's, he's one of those people who seems to have a bit of a reputation for his uh, cardio. And and he showed it that in the fight. He just never stopped coming forward. Um Landed some decent strikes of his own and then obviously managed to get him down a couple of times. So he, 
took him down in the first round, almost got the finish. Uh, and then uh, round two, uh, again, some good striking, but uh, Fernandez got the back, you know, got the takedown, got his back, uh, almost got him with the first attempt at a rear naked choke. And then second time he had a go, he sunk it under the neck. And then he he was, he was another one that was waving at the crowd kind of thing, shouting, <laughs> in the corner, go, yeah, look, look, I've got the choke. I'm, I'm going to finish this. And sure enough, he did. Uh, very, very nice performance from him. He's definitely on my radar more than he was before now. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, and a fun nickname as well. Uh, okay. How can you not love a fighter called Fluffy? <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, he, you remember what happened to him on the contender series, right? He literally tested positive for marijuana, I think, and that's what they gave him the no contest for, and it was against uh, Jordan Wright or something. Uh, I don't the, know if that's good or not. Yeah, and they, they, you know, he's that dude who doesn't watch fights. He's not, he doesn't keep up with the sport at all. He just shows up. If you looked at the payout form that I think one of the guys in the Discord had put in. His name is just Anthony. No last name. <laughs> no, it, it's just Anthony. That's the kind of guy he is. He just shows up and fights. He's that marauder that you have that you're like, well, shit. He doesn't really do a whole lot. And he doesn't really respond well to texts or interviews and shit. But when he's here, he, he shows up. That's, that's what you're paying for. I mean, now he's a contender. Great. Good for him. I was kind of worried about Kapilov's ground game, but I was thinking the kickboxing would outdo it. But that's why you got to learn jiu-jitsu, bro. <laughs> yeah, don't believe Sean Strickland. Jiu-jitsu is useful. <laughs> <laughs> A little interesting tidbit on this fight, though. Kapilov did step in on short notice. Uh, oh, did he? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. That's right, was, uh... yeah. He was uh, replacing Ikram Al-Skarov. Oh, of course, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't got a whole lot to say on this one. It was a nice performance by Fluffy. That The pressure, that, like you guys were saying, he just tends to kind of push the pace, push the pace until guys crumble. And he, he doesn't seem to stand out in any one area, but he's good everywhere, kind of a jack-of-all-trades. Uh, of course, his grappling probably being his best attribute, but yeah, uh, all in all, really, but... yeah, yeah, solid performance by him all around. Kopilov sort of looked like a fighter who was filling in on short notice, uh, but, but you know, the, the finishing moment was pretty great. The fucking, I almost got the choke. Eh, let me readjust. Now I really got it. Oh, I'm looking at the camera. Let's break the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty fucking cool. It definitely, it gave me like Nate Diaz vibes with the triangle choke and the fucking bicep flex. Like, oh, yeah, man. it was, it was pretty fucking cool. Uh, and I would, I would say, and it's just kind of echoing what a lot of other people have already said. I'd like to see that dude in a main event. Give him a fight night main event. Mm-hmm. Stick him in X against somebody. You know, maybe uh. Oh god, I don't even know. What is he middleweight, right? He's middleweight, yeah. Uh, maybe stick him in there with a. Uh, has he fought Brendan Allen? Nope. That'd be a nice little matchup, I think. You know, good, good uh, fight night main event, the Apex. The Lindsay. Both are coming up. My dog might be a bit high. Paul Craig. Oh my dude, he's up at light heavyweight now, isn't he? I think no. he came to light heavyweight. Yeah, he's still middleweight. He's still middleweight. Is he? Okay, okay. 
Chris Curtis? Maybe. I'm not. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but you know. Let's see how the rest Maybe. of the division kind of plays out. Give a shot at Paolo Costa. He'll have a year to wait. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> you might just beat him too so yeah I guess we're on to the undercard then uh, the prelims um, Dern versus Lemos you want this one lazy uh, yeah sure I guess I could take this one uh, seems more to me like we should probably get Daz in here to take this one Daz was wilding out last night with the screenshots from this fight <laughs> <laughs> I bet he was yeah I, yeah I yeah I can Mackenzie guess what he was taking as well, yeah. Mackenzie Dern was making her rounds on the Discord last night. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, Mackenzie Dern was doing Mackenzie Dern things. She was just fucking coming forward with her chin up in the air and fucking swinging wildly and hoping to grab onto something to take her down, take Lemosh down. Uh, I think kind of everybody knew, anybody with half a brain knew coming into this fight how this fucking shit was going to go. Lemosh can fucking crack. She's a beast on the feet, and Dern has next to no stand-up and isn't a very good wrestler, and if she can't get you into a grappling scenario, she's probably going to lose, uh, especially on short notice. Uh, you know, kind of felt bad for her. She was, she was fucking getting her ass whipped in there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't really know what you, I don't know what you do with a Mackenzie Dern because she's she's not well rounded enough to take on a lot of these girls, but she's so uh, uh, beloved by the fans and by the promotion that she's like she's in this weird spot where they're gonna keep fucking booking her in fights. But is that three or four in a row that she's lost now? No, just two. Is that only two? I think it's just more than that. Yeah, because it's. Uh... Andrade and now Lemos. Okay. She was on a win streak before she fought Andrade. Was that not the case? No, she has lost four of her last six. There we go. I thought it was four. Oh, shit. <laughs> I am wrong. I assumed a lot more than that. <laughs> Doubting the count of casuals, Austin. I just, I was, this is the first time I'm hearing of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lost uh, uh, lost to uh, Marina Rodriguez. Then she beat Tisha Torres. Then she lost to Yan Xiaonan. Then she beat Angela Hill. So she was trading wins and losses. And now she's lost two in a row to Andrade and Lemos. <sighs> yeah, I just, I just, I just feel like she's kind of in a weird spot because, like, if she can get the fight to where she needs to get the fight, she can win against anybody. Her her grappling is obviously fucking elite. Uh, her BJJ, um, but if she can't get the fight there, she's kind of screwed. So I don't, I don't know what you do with her. The fans love her, promotion loves her, but I don't know. So they yeah, pair. I've, well. got it, I've got it in my notes. Dern's still looking desperately bad at striking. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought, I thought Lemos was going to get it finished in the second round. Uh, it, I think uh, it should have been stopped. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, Mike Beltran, wasn't it, was hovering and looking like he might have stopped it. And he she could easily have done it. He fell backwards, winced, and then yeah. covered up. Like, that. I'm sorry, that should have just been it right there. I don't know why we needed to continue to, like, let her be a warrior 
when she's literally getting her ass beaten in a stoppage position. I, I, I don't, I don't get that part, but whatever. You know, as far as close as she did manage to steal the third round, um, barely. I think she looked pretty good in the third round uh, because most of it was on the ground. Uh, Lemos was in a couple of. Uh, she almost, I think, got her uh, a, a, a kind of leg lock on her a couple of times, and uh, she only managed to stand up close to the end of the round. I'm kind of curious why Lemos didn't carry on with the calf kicks because she mangled her with those for the first two rounds. So I'm wondering if she hurt her own leg, uh, battering Dern with them. Maybe she's more cautious because that opens uh, grappling situations, like for takedowns. But even then, it was kind of like back and forth with the grappling, just Lemos not giving her a whole lot of options to submit her from, which was great. You know, Lemos being a black belt herself, not as accomplished, but still, the idea is this isn't jujitsu, this is MMA. You have to get yeah. well-rounded when you get here. So, uh, as for um, Lemos, good win. You know, she, sh- you know, this is not a, not a, not an easy win, but you know, it's a win nonetheless. Um, Mackenzie, you just send her back to the bottom of the fifteen, make her fight unranked fighters, or bottom of the barrel of the uh, top fifteen, like gatekeeper for the uh, ladies' division. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. She's not old. She's not super young, but like she's still someone who can do stuff. The only thing I would tell her to do is to get out of her gym and to go hit up a kickboxing and uh, wrestling academy, work on takedown attempts and striking. That's all she needs. She doesn't need much. She just needs two things, decent striking and decent takedowns. That's it. <laughs> she she doesn't need a whole lot. Hell, she could probably just pick up some judo and work some trips and shit like better than what she was doing, and that probably help her. Um, hell, even Muay Thai would probably be just enough. She doesn't need a whole lot in this division. She just yeah. needs something. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't like guts at all. She's she's game. Uh, I know she was well battered in the second round, but she did come out on the third and. You know, she. I think when she walked back to her corner, she was waving at the crowd and je- cheering them on. Yeah. So no fault That's... on her guts. The one thing that baffled me with this fight was Joe Rogan and Michael Bisbin saying it was hard to score. I was like, are you watching the same fight as I watched here? <laughs> uh, this is God, so fucking obvious who, who won the first two rounds. And it's pretty damn obvious who won the third round. About the only is other it... thing... Uh, that I would add, and I uh, I said it on on Discord last night, was I think that Lamosh was a little bit too accepting of being on the bottom and having Mackenzie on top, if you know what I mean. <laughs> she seemed pretty happy to be down there. I mean, she wasn't in any rush. No, no. I think she knew, she knew she'd won the first two rounds, so all she had to do was survive the third round and. That was yeah. it. It was game over. Yeah, I think, yeah. Her her being at least capable and defensive in her grappling was was pretty much all she needed, and that proved that if you're capable and have a well-rounded game, you could you could find a way out of Mackenzie Dern's webs, and that's pretty much what it was. You know, that seems fair. All right, she let's liked, jump on. To, she liked being her web. <laughs> 
Let's jump on to the next one before we go X-rated on this uh, fight. <laughs> Deliba versus Taffer, uh, Junior Taffer, wasn't it? The late replacement for his own brother. Yes. I'll take this one. Um, I, I completely fucking whiffed on the fact that the brother was replacing the other brother until Daz Rico, of course, told us about it. And I was like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? And then I realized what was happening. And then, it's, of course, I didn't get my pick in for it, so now I feel stupid. Um, looking at this fight, watching it live, I felt like Justin took this short-notice fight just so he could get the paycheck. But at the same time, I can't blame him for it. I just don't understand not checking leg kicks. Or dressing leg kicks. Yeah. Or doing anything about the leg kicks. Not doing anything. Kickboxer as well, isn't he? That's where he's he's got a lot of skill as a kickboxer, I believe. Mark Hunt knows how to throw and defend leg kicks. <laughs> I don't know if the Toffas do. Well, but this is certainly didn't. Yeah. Oh, this is <laughs> certainly didn't see that they know how last night. That's for sure. No, exactly. Yeah. And it was I, I the same think, leg. I don't think it was counted as a leg kick stoppage, but it essentially was. It should have been. Those are some big fucking legs to be kicking you to. Delima's got fucking tree trunks for legs. Yeah. Those, God, I can't imagine something like that slamming into my fucking shin. Fuck that. Yeah, imagine a steel baseball bat and you'll probably have a vague idea of what it feels (laughs) like. Although, oh, one thing that I'd like to add to this fight, Delima with uh, possibly the worst display of fucking fight IQ ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, repeatedly demolishing his fucking legs and then going for a takedown. Go for a takedown. Yeah. <sighs> Dumbass. I've got on my notes. I, I thought I thought maybe it could have been a 10 8 round for Delima in the first round. That's fair. Yeah. He could have got him out of there if he wanted to. He could have fucking ended that fight. That's my thought. No, that's fair. Yeah. Shall we jump onto the next one then? Yep. So it's uh, Vera, not Cheeto, uh, versus Rinya Nakamura, the Japanese guy, who was the biggest favorite on the card. Uh, I think minus 1300 or minus 1350. Biggest favorite on the card, biggest favorite on the Discord, too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he was, yeah. Uh, no, there were, I think there were two fights that were picked um, th- where, where only P- uh, PB picked the. Uh, the- <laughs> You know, the, the guy who lost, but I'd have to check. But yeah, yeah, it was. It was uh, 28. Was there a, a late replacement too? I want to say so. I don't know. Uh, I'm looking. Because I feel like that's what they said on the broadcast. I can't remember. I'm not sure. I was more um, excited to see that Ryan, uh, Vera was trained by Ryan Hall, which was very obvious in the fight. <laughs> yeah, sure uh, was. Uh, I'll say this about the fight. This is what happens when you have the athlete who's also a specialist, who's just well-rounded, at, you know, because he's, he's he comes from a wrestling background. And he's you could tell he's a strong athlete who's just naturally gifted, right? Whereas Vera doesn't even look like he's a complete athlete. 
you could tell he's limited in some of the stuff he does, but apparently at some point his shoulder gave out. And then on top of it, he has no real stand-up to speak of. And when you're pulling guard in an MMA fight, nothing tells me more that you don't really have a game plan other than to just sit on your ass and let him come to you. Like, look, it, it, it's one thing when you can do that on the regional scene. It's another thing when you're physically doing it against guys in the UFC and you're doing it on a regular basis. Like, this is not the time to be doing that. This is just, hey, show us what you're capable of and don't stick to the one thing. He could not take himself out of first gear. Now that's also possible that he couldn't because of his shoulder. Yeah. So he probably went for the safest option. I, I can't blame him for that, but like, come on, man. You know? Well, he did, he did try one spin kick uh, on uh, Hall's recommendation and he, <laughs> he, he attempted it and immediately fell, fell onto the floor and that was it. Yeah. That was game over for round three. <laughs> I can't remember who said it. I think it was Helios that said it last night. But you you know you're in a fucking bad spot when your corner's best advice to you is to throw a wild ass fucking spin kick <laughs> and hope it lands. So it, fucking it's part of Ryan Hall's uh, fighting uh, thing. Either. Yeah. Uh, but Ryan Hall is actually really good at throwing spin kicks, despite the fact he didn't throw any against Taporia that time. But all right. No. So to touch back, uh, Austin, you were correct. Uh, Carlos Vera was a late replacement for Brady Heastand. That was supposed to be Nakamura's original opponent. Heastand comes from the Ultimate Fighter, and so did Vera. They were on, uh, Heastand was on the season after Vera. So both guys were tough fighters. Um, huh. Yeah. Nakamura is. <sighs> Dude is like the resurgence and the new hope for Japanese MMA. Like, the the type of of fight style and pressure and just the confidence and assuredness that he brings to the cage he's almost like a japanese taporia um i've seen some of like his his stuff outside of the octagon uh and translations and shit like that and the dude is like he if he puts the fucking pieces together and goes on a nice run maybe maybe a run at the title he could be a star and he could really fucking open up the Japanese market again for the UFC, which is something that they've always kind of tried to tap into. Um, How old he was is a, it? Oh, he's young. He's very young. Um, I want to say 27. Oh, I thought I, thought I, thought I was saying he was in his 30s. Oh, no, 28. 28. Okay. That's plenty of stuff. All yeah. of us are wrong. <laughs> guy's got a baby face. You know, he's got the fucking look. He's got, he's got a lot of things going for him. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely excited to see what's up for him next. Uh, bantamweight, it's a fucking tough division to be in, but the dude's yeah. fucking awesome. I like him a lot. I like him a lot. I, th- I think this was probably Joe Rogan's favorite fight. He might have been the only person who really enjoyed it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, he called uh, the people of Anaheim uh, or, or Orange County just uh, these, uh, was it these savages? Yeah. <laughs> because they were just let them see. Yeah, they weren't liking it at all. Oh, yeah. Another point from this fight, too. Uh, after the fight was over, during the post-fight interview, Nakamura said he broke his hand. Yeah, which would explain oh, the yeah. grappling heavy game again. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. One, one guy with a dislocated shoulder, the other one with a broken hand or arm, yeah. <laughs> Not the Can't... best recipe for a fun fight. 
<laughs> no, it can't help it either. It's not not anybody's fault. The shit happens. You know? oh, absolutely, yeah. If you pull your groin, hit him with your groin. <laughs> right. Yeah, just remember to wear a steel tie cup for it if you're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's good. The fulcrum. The fulcrum. That was something else that I've got it on my notes just from a couple of fights before. Joe and Mike talking about steel cups and whether they should be banned or not. <laughs> uh, talking about grinding them on a guy's face. I was, I was losing it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty funny. All right. <laughs> Let's jump on to the next one, then we'll we'll flat, try and flash it. We haven't got many left anyway. Uh, Ming Yan versus Ribeiro. Uh, this was the only fight I've picked wrong on the entire bloody card. So I hate China right now. Stop me. <laughs> well. well, I fucking love this dude. I Zong Ming Ming Yang Zong or whatever Zong Ming Yang, whichever one it is. Uh, AKA the Mountain Tiger. Cool ass yeah, fucking good, yeah, name. Yeah, good name. Yeah. Yeah, the Mountain Tiger, the Iron Turtle. These dudes have awesome fucking nicknames. Um, yeah, the, I seen dude on fucking the Road to the UFC tournament, and he fucking terrified me. Like the dude has the face you see in your nightmares. Like he just—he looks like a stone cold killer. Uh, fucking solid puncher. Those dudes were in there slinging them things. He basically just bit down on his gum shield and said, "I'm fucking coming forward." Like, um. All props to Ribeiro, though, because it takes two to tango to put on a fight like that. And, yeah, total fucking barn burner. Um, I can't remember who said it or where I seen it. Uh, might have been one of the MMA fighting live chats, but somebody said, put Zhang Ming Yang against um, uh, Bogdan Guskov, the guy that looks like Anthony Smith that just won. Oh, yeah. That's a fucking banger, right? I would yeah, like to see that. Yeah. So yeah, that's my uh, my thoughts on that. Stick those two fuckers together. Yeah, Rivera was looking good with the after what is seven or eight inch reach or something. He had, uh, or am I thinking of uh, the next fight? Oh yeah, it, it, he had he had like a reach advantage of like six additional inches over his opponent um, Zhang, and honestly, he was doing very well with it. Like he was leading the dance and he was landing clean shots. He stumbled and stunned a couple times Zhang. Like with combinations, clean combinations too. He just mm-hmm. got overzealous. He literally just, like you said, <laughs> lazy. He he just bit down on his mouthpiece. He's all, all right, bitch, let's go. And he fucking clinged him. <laughs> it was such a clean combination. And stayed there, didn't he? And then left hook. Yeah, that was all, it. Oh fucking! And, he, and then he jumped all over him with those hammer blows. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah. It was it was a fun fight because it didn't last very long. And light heavyweight fights that are like this usually don't. So. Hey, you know, it's a learning lesson for Rivera, but uh, at the same time, Zhang is, you know, it's a learning lesson for him too. You know, you got to, you got to be able to address the distance and not just stay, you know, at range. If you're going to stay at range, you might as well make sure you're landing something at that too, but good for him. You know, we'll see what happens with them. And uh, yeah, I guess neither of them are ranked at the moment, are they? So yeah, yeah, I think it was both of their official debuts. I'm pretty sure. Yep. It could well be. Shout out Mountain Tiger. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that wasn't racist. No. No. <laughs> we can talk about someone whose debut it definitely was then on the next one. Uh, Barlow versus Quinlan at Welterweight. So it was Barlow's UFC debut uh, at 7 and 0 going into the fight. Um, looked really good. I was very impressed with him. Uh, very handy at his striking. 
loves the leaping knee. I think he threw about six or seven of the damn things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wasn't exactly the lead knee that uh, Gary throws, but is a little more athletic at the same time. It, it was more surprising, too, that he was just able to just pop. Maybe not surprising because Josh uh, Quinlan had, had issues just finding range and finding his target. Like, he'd get popped, and then he'd have to wait and then just find another pocket, hopefully land, and then get popped again on the way out. Like, Danny, Barlow just literally just didn't have to work extra hard in this fight, and it felt felt like you could tell, like, okay, one's one's working harder than the other in this fight, and it, it, it just, it you could see it play out throughout the rest of the fight all the way up until the finish. And even Quinlan's corner was like, Man, you got to go do something. What are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he at least followed his corner's instructions and kind of rushed at him in the third round, which wasn't a great idea, as it turned out, because he then got clipped by Barlow, uh, which was another merciless kind of finish, because I think he hit him once, sent him sprawling. He got back up, and Barlow was all over him again, uh, like white on rice, and then hit him again. And then uh, great, great referee, and it was... Um, which ref was it now? Um, Jason... Yeah, I think it's Herzog. Herzog, yeah. Ooh, great job all night for Herzog. Uh, definitely up there as one of the better referees at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and great finish by the ref. Good fight for both people, I thought. Yeah. Very interesting to see what Barlow can do in the future. Obviously, he's still pretty young in the division with only eight fights. Yeah. Yeah, That's he brings great. a he brings a nice little flair to the division too because. Uh, Coming out of Memphis, Tennessee, he's got that whole Memphis style and Memphis speech and uh, had the nice little rat tail hanging off the back of his head. Uh, (laughs) Had the chat divided last night. Some people liked it. Some people didn't. Uh, Yeah. uh, Another guy who supposedly broke a hand, uh, he said after the fight, which kind of explained he was throwing some really awkward strikes, which I, I was thinking was just like. Maybe he was just sort of that kind of a dude, but maybe it had something to do with the broken hand. He was throwing a lot of like swiping, kind of like standing hammer fists. Uh, yeah, fucking super long and lanky for the division, uh, which is a, a big bonus, but especially at welterweight where you got a lot of guys with that same sort of long, lanky striker type build. Um, yeah, dude, uh, for making his debut. He fucking took took the moment and ran with it. Was uh had his little speech and moment on the mic afterwards, and yeah, I'd like to I'd like to see what what happens with him going forward. Quinlan's tough as shit, but yep, he, he just has a tendency to like get in these battles and come up just short. Uh, yeah, good fight though, good fight. Definitely a fun one. Mm-hmm. Anything else to say on this one? As I'm rushing us through these. Yeah, I'm excited to see Barlow's next fight. Yep. yep. So, Elliot versus Woodburn at welterweight then, which was uh, another uh, UFC debut. It was Elliot's official debut uh, on a five-fight win streak, according to the commentary. Looked very nice, I thought. Um, Did kind of run, uh, landed that solid head kick in the first round. He thought it was going to be a quick finish. And then the next minute Woodburn landed on him and sent him on uh, queer street, uh, <laughs> legs wobbling all over the place. Uh, 
but I'm afraid that was pretty much it for Woodburn after the first round. He didn't look, you know, he looks really good. If he got a gas tank, he could be dangerous, but he doesn't have one at the minute. And his wrestling for an American wasn't great, to be honest. Yeah, being beaten at wrestling by a Welsh guy, not the best uh, image you could present. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was laughing at Joe Rogan saying he needed, needed a translation for uh, uh, Elliot's Corner. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bisping, Bisping schooled me right there. He gave me a little bit of a lesson in, in Welsh speak there. Yeah. What do they call it? Valley talk or something like yeah, that? Talk from the valleys. <laughs> Yeah, we need more of that on this podcast. Valley talk. <laughs> right. I'll have to work on my Welsh accent. There you go. <laughs> uh, Look I guess my, my thoughts, if I'm going to chime in on this one, um, it was an interesting fight because uh, I think it was Rogan, or it was either Rogan or, or Bisping said it on the commentary, that it was basically a sprinter versus a marathon runner. And you could see it like in their body types. It was like, you know, a fucking, you know, an American muscle car versus a fucking, like a touring European vehicle or something like just the way Woodburn's built. He, he's like almost guaranteed to gas out. Like you're too fucking thick. You're too meaty. Like you're going to, those muscles are going to fill with lactic acid and you're going to, you're done for. Yeah, um, Woodley kind of build, doesn't it? What Woodley? Yeah. yeah. With the, I'd say an, an even worse gas tank. Uh, but yeah, Obon Elliott, um, he seems to be the kind of guy that gets in those fights where he's going to get clipped every single time and come out the other end and pull out a victory. Uh, I think he'd done the same thing on Dana White's Contender Series, hadn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got rocked and then came back and won it uh, after being badly wobbled. Yeah, well, one of only a, a handful of Welshmen in UFC history, I'm pretty sure. Uh yeah, oh yeah, and the, the other big thing, shout out Obon for, uh, he wore an Anakin Florian podcast t-shirt on Instagram <laughs> before the fight, so. <laughs> Get a little bit of uh, props in my book for that. Yeah. Also came out to Gangster's Paradise, which is pretty cool. I know that's his nickname, so we'll probably hear <laughs> that a lot. Uh, second best walkout of the night, because uh, I guess Volk with his men, uh, down under. Uh, with yeah. Quality, but... Depending on who you ask. Yeah. Well, Roberts was pretty good, too. Oh, what did he come out to? Oh, I can't remember. Uh, um, uh, Roy Jones Jr. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. 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 Can't be stopped, can't be moved. Oh, damn, it's like, oh, it felt like I was watching a boxing fight for the fucking 90s. <laughs> I, did call, I did call it when he was coming out. I said, I made the wrong pick. You come out to this song, you got to win. Yeah. And he did. I called out. Oh, darn, I can't go back down there. <laughs> That's actually in one of my YouTube playlists, that track, so. <laughs> there we go. Um, my only thing on this fight was uh, how inexperienced Woodburn is, you know, not, if he can't, because he started off as Bo Nichols' uh, opponent um, at middleweight, correct? Yeah, got knocked out in about three punches, I think. He's too small to be in middleweight. He's too big and short and stocky for a welterweight like if he lo- like lazy said if he loses the weight muscle mass a little bit he might be better adapted for the division because he's strong he'll keep his strength and he could probably work as a wrestling game um 
he's just too wild, too unorthodox, too untamed, more or less, with his technique and his punches. He hones that in a little bit. He might have a decent ability to be somebody in this division. Um, Elliot, I don't know what to make of the guy. He kind of just seems like a guy who's just your average welterweight, not super big, not super small. Another welterweight in this division that can kind of get a couple wins, probably lose to a top 10 guy. You know, yeah, it, it looks it looks promising, Elliot. Uh, it does need some work, but he's decent enough for, for the level he's at. I forget how many yeah. fights he's actually had, but it can't be that many. I just looked at it like the story of two different types of welterweights. We have the welterweights on the prelims, like early prelims, and then the Barlows and uh, Quinlines. Those are welterweights who are who are really good. They just haven't fought a whole lot of people. Yeah. Okay, dots. Then I guess we go on to the last card, or should I, last fight, or should I say first fight? Maverick versus Lee. All right. Let me say this. You should win just because you are able to suplex somebody and dominate. <laughs> that was beautiful, that I, suplex. I feel like she should have won. Uh, Andrea Lee should have won. But again, there's also the uh, mark of her just not being busy enough on the feet. And then um, just just kind of dropping off in activity each round. That... That kind of stunts her ability to be able to win fights, and then she wants to blame the refs, and then she'll say it's because they're biased, because they're all liberals, because God forbid, you know, somebody else has a different opinion about beliefs and shit. But who cares? It's not about that right now. We're just talking about the fight, which she she honestly could have won. Miranda literally had given her more opportunities than <laughs> than she should have deserved to win the fight, and for some reason, Miranda was just kind of like not consistent with anything she was doing, which was weird because usually she's pretty good about being on, you know, a game plan and following it. She's kind of, I think she was like, Oh, Andrea Lee's actually good. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what kind of felt like, like watching the fight. Like it just, there's a lot of missteps, a lot of, you know, mishaps. And somehow she ended up with the decision. I wouldn't have scored it for her, but yeah. Hey, I'm not a judge. I thought I thought it was a fairly easy win for Maverick, but it wouldn't you couldn't call it a dominant win. Um, she did more than enough to take it. Um, I think there was only one judge gave uh, Lee the third round, and every was it thirty twenty seven for the other two. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Lee had that as as you've already mentioned, Austin. She had that beautiful suplex in the first round, and she had landed a nice spinning back fist as well in the third round. But those okay. are the only things I've made a note on that she did. Uh, oh, she 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 got nice recovery in round two to stand back up uh, after she got taken down by the cage. But Lee's getting on a bit now. I think she's thirty-five or so. Yeah. Uh, the most interesting thing from this fight was them both coming out wearing fucking black cowboy hats, and that ain't saying much. Uh, fucking. Who cares about? <laughs> Like, who cares about Miranda Maverick? Who cares about Andrea Lee? Both fucking boring. Both stupid. Miranda Maverick and her fucking retarded ass post-fight speech. I'm gonna donate my fight kit proceeds to fight human trafficking. Like, like you can just fucking go donate that into some fucking bank account and it's just gonna go straight towards the fucking cause. 
in a pickle, pickle business as well. That, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the pickle business. That was the, another <laughs> big highlight. John Anik fucking promo in her pickle business like three times. I don't know. Miranda Maverick, she's what? How old is she? 26. You got a lot of time to fucking improve your game and, and add more elements to it, but she's just fucking boring. Like, she's just so bland. Her personality's bland. She looks bland. Her fighting style's bland. I hate her name, Fear of the Maverick. Yeah, I don't know. Bad, yeah. She just, to me, she feels like, uh, uh, like she's just being Invicta and staying Invicta for her whole career. Like, you don't belong here. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, her, we'll never see her. Send me some pickles and I'll change my tune. <laughs> Off to PFL with her or something, maybe. Yeah. And Andrea, Andrea Lee, fucking retire and go fucking go live with your, your racist boyfriend. <laughs> I thought she got rid of that one. No, no, he's he was, there. It's he was in the corner. Tony Kelly, right? No, it was there. Tony yeah. Kelly, suck a dick. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing we don't really, apart from maybe ragging on Lee and uh, Maverick a bit more, we we don't have much to say about that one. Uh, uh, so uh, a, quick, a quick one. Uh, what would you? Well, that's best and worst fight of the night for you both. Uh, Robert Whitaker, Paula Costa for me. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Best fight. Best fight for me. But the worst fight. Yeah, there's not there's no there's no denying it. It's Maverick and Chandler. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well let me let me double up on that. Worst fight of the night, definitely Miranda Maverick and Andrea Lee. Oh, screw you guys. Uh best fight of the night. There were some bangers on this card. I mean, a little bit of something for everybody. Whether you liked, you know, grappling heavy, striking heavy. Um, I probably got to go with the Marab fight. Just, just based solely on him manhandling a former two-division champion, former gold medalist, going out there and fucking dropping the hammer on him and doing whatever the fuck he wanted and solidifying his spot as the next title contender. May Rob, Dwalishwili, you're my dude. Okay, okay. Well, I'll stick with you two for worst fight of the night. It has to be uh, Lee versus Maverick. Uh, a <laughs> relatively boring decision. But unlike you two, I'm going to stick with the ladies as well for my best fight, and I'm going to say Dern versus Lemosh. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. There's a wall there, so yeah. (laughs) It's fun to watch for a variety of reasons. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, what what shall we say is our score for the card? Out of ten. Um, me personally, I'll say it's uh, eight point five. Honestly. Okay. Lazy. No, I'm usually a little bit tougher on the ratings, but. Yeah, I'm going to give it a solid solid 8. I'm going to give it a good 8. Ooh, that's quite harsh. Uh-oh. That's high for me. Yeah. 
I'm going to, I'm going to raise it up a little bit more. I, I don't think I can quite go for a 9.5, and I think it probably deserves slightly more than a 9, so I'll go 9.25 for the entire card. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it, it was a good card. You could have complained when you watched it. Like, you got your money's worth, and, I mean, hey, we had finishes. You know, yeah. it opened up with the finish and ended with the finish. You can't complain. Yep. And Great fights all Okie dokie. And for, for a final thing, should we talk about the UFC 300 news? Yeah. <laughs> Pereira versus Jamahal Hill. I'm rooting, I'm rooting for Pereira. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if I have a dog in the fight necessarily, but uh, I will say that under any other circumstances, it would have been a pretty big announcement. But with all the buildup and the hype and the weight, it kind of it kind of fizzled. It kind of just it didn't hit the way it should have hit. Now it's a good fight, but it's not the way Dana hyped it up has been. Oh my god, you're going to be so excited when I present this fight, and it's like just another title fight. It's nothing spectacular. Um, Poetan versus Izzy would have been more exciting. Poetan versus Aspinall would have been really exciting. Although Poetan will get his head knocked off in that one, I think. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just another title fight. Uh, I, I was pleased to hear Dana saying uh, about uh, Leon Edwards and saying that he'd offered him three fights and Leon Edwards said he'd take any one of them and that he couldn't get the other fights. You know, the other guys couldn't, uh, wouldn't take it or something. Or maybe yeah. Dana just hates Bilal so much that he wanted to blank him there. <laughs> um, but yeah, all credit to Leon for... Don't forget, Leon was the one guy who said he'd fight Hamza when no one wanted to fight him. So I can quite believe it. Uh, yeah, absolute, absolute gangster. Yeah, they they tried to screw him over many a time, and it hasn't worked out for them as of yet. No. And if if we're to believe what Dana's yeah. saying or what he said recently, there's still one more fight announcement for 300 coming. Oh, is there? I didn't know that. Yeah. He said in his like a video like last week that, or maybe it was two weeks ago now. I don't know. It's been so long. Uh, that he had, they were still looking to, to solidify the main event, and he had one more fight to announce. So we got the main event. What's this next fight? Isn't it Kevin Holland? Isn't it Kevin Holland and no, that's already on there. Never mind. Kevin Holland and uh, uh, MVP, right? Yeah, that's already on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, the, I don't know why it? I thought it was something else. <laughs> got Whaley for the um. Second fight, we got the BMF belt as well, haven't oh we? God. What could it be? <laughs> yeah, because I mean, if you're if it's going to be the very last announcement, it's got to be something, and it's it's obviously not a title fight. So, star power, somebody out of left field, I don't know. No idea. I know everyone wants it to be Connor, but I don't think uh, gonna, I don't think they're gonna, I don't think they're going to waste Connor on uh, USC three hundred. Yeah, no. No, they're gonna get their money's worth off of just ticket sales. Yeah. Boo! Don't give them man a man event. Boo! <laughs> Connor versus Leon Edwards. That's the fight we want, isn't it? You know, I'd be happy for Leon with that. <laughs> <laughs> Make my draft come true. I know. Right? That's the other thing we should. What? What? What of our draft actually comes true? Mine. Mine. It has a possibility now. 
<laughs> well, technically now it doesn't. There's a couple of things that are on there. <laughs> All right, I think we're done there then. What was it? You said Sean Strickland and, and uh, Robert Whitaker at middleweight. Now that's like one of the fights that actually can happen like right now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did pick that one. Oh my god, Mystic Mouse. <laughs> it's happened before. I did. Huh. Pre- I did predict Islam Makachev's KO uh, head kick on uh, on Volk. So, albeit six months early, but I still got called it. <laughs> it's there. There and right. Okay, that's it from us this week. We'll be back with something a little bit new next week if everything goes as planned. As much as we'd love to, we can't cover the whole card every week. But we will be covering the main event from UFC Mexico City, which will be Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Hoyvel 2. Uh, and so I'll finish by reminding you all to like, subscribe, and share the show. And I'll let my fellow degenerates say goodbye until then. So say goodbye, guys. Later. Thank you. See you guys. Be safe out there. And keep an eye out for me in those YouTube chats because I'm a whore for the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll do that. All right.